Hey, Dominic, how's the, the connect, uh, connection now? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Perfect. All right. So this will be edited out as mentioned. It's like a double take here. We had an Ariel Helwani show moment here, but uh, <laughs> this is Beyond the Fight, episode eight with uh, BJJ practitioner uh, Dominic Tabata, a brown belt, soon to be black belt. So Dominic, I mean, we had our episode before. It was like a double take or an outtake. So uh, as you were saying, um, go into, I wanted to see, first of all, how you're doing today. And then just tell your story uh, again. Hopefully there's no connection issues. <laughs> yeah, so as we were talking about uh, a little bit how I got into jiu-jitsu, uh, it's with your, your first guest, Paul, who I was with last night at dinner, actually. Um, so we, we started uh, the Gracie DVDs that he were talking about when, when, they, when they first came out. Um, just me, my brother, and him we were very young. I was about nine years old. They were about 11. Uh, we just practiced on each other, practiced on my friends. And uh, we got a little bit into... Uh, before the dis disruption, how um, early, even at an early age, I, I understood that we, what we were learning was something very unique and uh, different from the rest of the martial arts. Yeah. So like, as you said, it still has some magic uh, before the, the connection issue. Um, a lot of jujitsu practitioners I have seen based on like social media and when like Rogan has them on they talk about how there's not one specific way to do a technique it's like every practitioner who's like a black belt or brown belt or just very high level they have their way of expressing the technique so there's never really one unique way if uh you know if you know what I I mean by there, because you said there was some magic. So is that because every practitioner like has a different way of like, like executing the techniques? Yeah, definitely. So I, I have a lot of experience mm -hmm. uh, teaching jujitsu as well. And um, the number mm -hmm. one thing I, I always try to do is um, guide the student into, into learning their own way. Just, just like you're saying, learning their own way of uh, figuring out the problem at hand rather than give them a cookie cutter technique that doesn't work definitely yeah I, I, de I know exactly what you mean because like I used to do karate with like a school but then I left my school to work with my coach I currently have one-on-one -on -one. he's a second Dan in the style that we do but he's not like a cookie cutter coach like he mixes it up so like he looks at like what jujitsu guys do and then he tries to like like add it to like what we do to to make it like unique because he sees that you if you keep doing the cookie cutter style it's going to bore the practitioner and then the student, and then they're not going to want to come back until something new is learned. Yes, exactly. And so this is probably what I noticed, what makes jujitsu very popular, like even to like new people who are new to martial arts, there's just so much to learn. Um, now you said you teach students uh, for beginners too. What's the, if, so let's say if I was a beginner and I'm like I, I just had experience with with say traditional martial arts. What would a what's a day like uh, for a white belt on their first week or month when they come to start training? So with you? I I don't run like a traditional class at my gym, but uh, I can give you an example of just the basic beginner techniques you you would want them to learn. Um, so shrimping is obviously one. If you ask any, anyone who knows what you're talking about when it comes to teaching jiu-jitsu, it's, it's a basic like a uh, hip escape movement that you're going to use in all positions of jiu-jitsu. Um, you, you use it from everywhere, really from mount, uh, side control, half guard, 
full guard even to set up positions. It's pretty much just uh, your your hips, back, shoulders, and, and feet are flat on the floor, and you're using your feet to uh, push your hips away. So that would be one just basic movement we would teach. Um, other than that, we would teach um, – in in the very it all depends on the person because in the very beginning stages um there's different types of athleticism that so if it's like a, someone who wrestled before for example versus someone who who um has zero athletic background it's all going to depend because the person has zero athletic background we have to get them acquainted with using their body um in general before we do anything Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like a, it's, this is not like say karate or taekwondo where you say okay throw a punch or hey say throw a kick. It's like you're really using every part of your body like in a, like while on the ground. Right. So what? So basically, as you now, what I also noticed too about BJJ, it, this is really what interests me. The belt system is not like any other martial art. Okay, and I wanted to ask you about that since you know you're a brown belt. How does the, the what's the breakdown like for that? I'm sorry. Uh, what exactly was the question? Uh, the belt system, okay. because it's not like any other martial yeah. arts where they hand you like maybe yeah, I mean, one belt, then a right. stripe. Uh, so in general, uh, it's it's definitely the hardest martial art to get a black belt in that I know of, at least. Um, it's uh, it, it, it uh, jujitsu has kept its reputation. I mean, there are, there are gyms that pop up here and there that are known for kind of you know just giving away belts, but it's very rare. Across the board, jiu-jitsu has kept its reputation as uh, very difficult to achieve a black belt in. And um, you know you know, if someone is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, they're legit. And uh, not just that, it's, it's personalized too because – so <clears throat> there are high-level competitive blue belts right now, which if, for anyone who doesn't know, it goes white belt, blue belt, purple belt, brown belt, black belt. So blue belt is right after the white belt. But th- there are high-level blue belts from high-level academies that are are constantly competing in in the highest-level tournaments in the world, who will definitely go to gyms and, um, let's say, even though no one's counting at training, you could tell that they're at a higher level than even some of the black belts on the mat. But that doesn't diminish the fact that that black belt is well earned because the coaches. At most gyms that I've noticed, and I've been to, and I've been to enough, and I know enough about the culture to know that, um, that this is true. That even though there are, are high level blue, but what I mean by it's personalized is, um, the the black belt that's losing to the high level competitive blue belt earn their black belt for who they are, where the the coach will know that. For instance, the uh, high-level blue belt who's competing all the time, him to get his black belt is is different because the journey is personalized towards him. So he's gonna have to he's gonna have to win at uh, certain competitions or or progress at a different level than the than the guy who you know is just a hobbyist and has does jujitsu once or twice a week. If that makes sense. If that doesn't make sense, I could try to clear yeah. it up a little bit. No, it, I think I kind of understand it. It just really depends on like how much you're going, how much you're competing. Because I just, I think I, I, I just connected the dots here where we hear Rogan talk about it's about how much you go, man. Like, you know, if you keep going, you're going to get better. And, you know, if you come once a week, twice a week, but you're good at competitions. I mean, he's like, hey, that works for, for some people too. Right. Yep. 
it, it's really interesting. And, you know, what I like, too, about BJJ is, based on what I've seen, is, like, there's such a camaraderie in the classes and the tournaments. And what? And now, what do you think? So I want to ask you, why do you think the competitions, like, are so good at uniting everybody together? Uh, I'm sorry. So so what do, what do I think? What, what is the thing that unites everyone together? Just you. the competitions, yeah. It's like there's such a camaraderie, win or lose, and like everyone there is like it's like it's very easy to form friendships there. At, like you it's, mean it's one of those? It's yeah, like a unique you mean thing. specifically at the competitions? Yeah, yeah it's, it it's is. A, definitely, I've, yes, I've seen it that. It's definitely different. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely different than uh, for say for say like a boxing or like an MMA fight where. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure exactly. Um, maybe it's you know the fact that nobody's usually really getting. Now, are you spe- are you talking about just jujitsu, right? Or are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows no one's really getting seriously hurt. Usually, I mean, besides like you know, um, armbar, uh, hyperextensions, and um, there there are serious injuries that happen. But you know what I mean. That for for the most part, you just tap and it's usually over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, yes i i've seen that on like instagram youtube and it, like even with, thanks thanks to flow grappling like i really get a good look of like what bjj is in the terms of the competitions um there's one competition that i keep hearing about the abu dhabi what is that exactly is that like the pinnacle of like bjj competitions um is it adcc something like that yeah i believe i i butchered the the acronym there, I do apologize. So I wanted to ask your thought. I wanted to ask you if you could like maybe educate me or anyone else about the ADCC contests. Um, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> instead of doing that, I'll say, I think the real essence of that question is to get to, so we want to know, we want to know what tournament you have to win to be the best. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yes, basically. That that's where it is. Sorry if it was uh, misworded there. No, no problem. I, I, honestly, it's still uh, the I'm I'm getting ninety five percent of what you say, but a word or two will go out. So I'm I'm sorry if I uh, not getting everything. But um, no problem. Um. So as far as yeah, it's 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 almost jujitsu is almost competitively where you know boxing i don't know how many belts there are but uh jujitsu is very hard to figure out who the best is necessarily or what the best tournament is because everything is so um there's so many tournaments out there now that it's really hard to judge and uh the um how do i say the culture of the competition scene scene is kind of split or on rocks uh so when i first started it was it was IBJJF and there was mm-hmm. something called the Grand Slam and it was three winning three IBJJF tournaments and uh, then the ADCC which is not part of the I- IBJJF but um, so th- them tournaments are all bracket style you have to win multiple comp- um, matches in one day to win first place now the scene has kind of switched to where super fights and um, submission only scene has kind of uh, stepped in and and in my opinion, taken over. Some will still argue that it hasn't fully, but if it has not fully, it, it's on its way to. But uh, to answer the, the point of the question, 
which is, you know, the most prestigious tournament or, or the, the way to figure out who's the best. Um, it's very hard to do in jiu-jitsu and um, everyone's going to have, it's going to be very subjective and everyone's going to have their own opinion on that. Besides the top competitors uh, figuring out amongst themselves and competing at the local bigger tournaments or however they want to do it, it it's going to be difficult until um, it is unified somehow. Yes, I do recognize we have, there's something like that in the style of karate I do, where yes, there's the Kyokushin style, but after the founder died, like every like head under him formed their own organization. So whenever there's a tournament, it's like you have to um, go with that organization. And the main one that's called IKO1, which is like, it's the Japanese, I think it might be something, I think it's Kyokushin Organization 1. They cannot, their fighters cannot go to another organization to compete. It's like they want everything in-house to stay in-house. And like recently, like my coach, uh, who's now kind of on his own, like he he does what he does. He goes into different organizations. Like there was a, he's going to probably be fighting in November. And one of the headmasters from Japan who met him at my last tournament said like, oh, he's like, we've been, uh, we have like one of our champions that was supposed to fight you. But um because if they weren't they weren't united, like they couldn't make that fight happen. But now, because he's out with politics aside, they can make that fight happen. So I can definitely understand Dominic when you say that there's not really a unitedness in BJJ. It's it's crazy how it's like that in all martial arts. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, MMA pretty much has it nailed down with the UFC, I think. But. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you feel that uh, do you feel that maybe jujitsu could improve on that and try to find a way to put politics aside and like find a way to make an umbrella organization for, for jujitsu? Yeah. Um. Huh. It's it's very hard to put politics aside <laughs> in in any industry. <laughs> it- Definitely. I agree 100%. Now, when you say politics, you know, I don't want to make it too much of a political show, but Paul mentioned that you knew a lot about the Gracies. And, you know, I hear stories about Hickson being the best. And and Paul said, you know, talk to Dominic. He knows a lot about that. I want to ask you from your experience what you knew about Hickson why he didn't fight in the UFC and uh, what could have, what would have happened if there was no politics with, uh, with that? I, I, I can't believe Paul told you that. <laughs> uh, he said something along those lines. And I was like, and I was like, I was like, he's like, Oh, he's like, you know, something about Hicks. And I was like, Oh, I got to ask. Huh? I, I, yeah. I'm not exactly sure what he's talking about. Uh, I, I, I am actually not the guy to ask when it comes to the history of the Gracie family. Um, I, I mean, I know, I know a little bit and, my coach, um, my coach in Philly, who, the, the guys uh, Paul was talking about, Rick and Phil, are directly, um, directly under uh, Helson Gracie. Gave them their black belts, and Helson is uh, Elio's son. Elio is the man who created Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as we know it. So I should know a lot more than I do. Uh, but yeah, as far as um, Hickson goes, the legend, the legend has it that Hickson is four hundred and O. I don't know if that's real. That is not uh, – there are no video evidences of these 400 fights. But uh, from what we've seen, yeah, I mean, Hickson – I'll, I'll tell you what. The, um, anyone who's ever trained with Hickson says he will all agree that he is the best uh, that they've ever trained with. And uh, um, I've watched his, his documentary, Choke, that 
and I, I, I'm I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of him. But as far as as far as him in the UFC, um, the, the the UFC today is a different animal, though. Is a different animal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But back then, he probably would have competed. By the way, I should stand corrected. Actually, Paul said it was your coaches from. Um, from the Gracie that Dave, there's so many Gracies. So the the coaches actually, I stand corrected. So sorry, okay. Paul, if I got the facts mixed up there. Like I, it just hit yeah, me yeah. now. So, but don't worry. I, I want. I'm glad we could clear that up. But yes, um, what I also heard too is like Hickson, um, the way he analyzes fights, Dom is so amazing. Like he's a BJJ expert, but he has like that knowledge too of like other arts. Like when you're watching, when he's watching. Uh, fights like he'll watch it and he'll be like look at that space there look at the space for the kickboxer where he can go in and like and go in and, and strike him here and here so it, it, it's pretty amazing how yes he's an expert in one field but he has that base knowledge for the other arts right well i always said jujitsu is the one thing i mean i've tried a lot of stuff i i, I mean i'm i'm pretty competent in in all martial arts i mean not all but uh mm-hmm. Let's say the main ones that you would see um, arise in MMA, at least. So, but uh, out of anything I've ever tried to do or did, uh, jujitsu is the one thing that I say that if you get really good at it, it translates to everything. So it, that's probably a, a little part of that. Uh, being that good at jujitsu, you could you could use that the knowledge and and now I mean anybody who gets good at anything kind of says that. So I'm, I I'll admit that I'm biased when it comes to jujitsu, but. Yeah, makes total sense. I mean, I'm kind of biased too when it comes to to my style of karate. I mean, there's so many styles of karate, but there's only like one Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But like with the style of karate that like I like to tell people is like they'll say like, oh, well, you can't do this or this. And I said, well, I said the pressuring that it has with the low leg kicks are second to none. I said, you know, Muay Thai, yes. The Muay Thai, you have elbows in the clinch. But with the, the Kyokushin style, mm. like the way they form the leg kick, it's like a whip. It's like they whip it. If you've ever watched Michael Jai White, who's a legit like badass in terms of martial, traditional martial arts and also an, uh, a good action movie star, like he, he's shown like what his kicks can do in that style. And it's just crazy to watch. Like you'll never see it in like Kempo or Shotokan. It's, uh, it's only in like the style I do where the low leg kicks, it's like when you kick that leg, it's you're like, fuck it's like it feels like you got hit by a wrecking ball basically right. yeah yeah i actually um i checked some of your coach's videos out as well some of his competitions he looks really legit and then uh in, <laughs> in doing that uh i came across have you heard of i think it's karate combat it's like a new organization yeah i've heard of it yes i'm very i'm pretty familiar with it i've watched a few videos yeah i, I came across it on instagram and i've been it's been popping up on my feet a little bit i mean it looks crazy it is, but the problem I have with that with that league is that they, they don't have my style in there. It's only the typical Shorin Ryu, Shito Ryu, American Kempo, uh, Shotokan, because I, I think because they don't have the, the low leg kicks. Okay. So I think when you don't include that, I mean, it's, it's not really karate combat, but then you have to remember, too, the style that I have is only, like, 55 years old. It was invented in 1960. Four and the other styles have been around for like a, like a hundred like a hundred years. Gotcha. That that's what it is. But what was your thoughts on like what's your take on like uh, with like the fighting in the pit? Because it's not like uh, MMA in a cage or like maybe BJJ on a mat. I'm, I'm all about it. And I, I, I wait. Was there um? Oh yeah, it was Paul that said it. Paul said it on the podcast actually. 
um, he said they tried to do alligator moats around the. Is that is that what he said? The, yeah, the octagon. They wanted to try to do something like that when they started it in 1993, like for the first UFC. Yeah, I'm all for it. To be honest, all for it. Alligator moats, uh, the whole nine. Hey, you got to make it entertaining, right? Yeah, of course. This is what this is at the end of the day. Yep, yep, it's true. But what's really interesting, too, when you said you watched the first UFC one, it's so crazy, like, how the cinematography and how, like, they present, how they market the fighters has changed, like, night and day. Obviously, you know, technology gets better, you know, that. But it's just crazy how, like, you could have probably even competed in the the first UFC. Like, and it's like, they just, you have to send a videotape of yourself, like, hi, my name is XYZ, my style yeah, is yeah. this, and... I believe I can win the challenge yeah, because yeah. of my heart. It's crazy. And my belief in God. It's crazy. I was literally just watching this last night, and I was watching it by accident. It, it, you know how YouTube just uh, switches to the next video for you now? Yeah. yeah so, I, I, it's, it's a crazy feature. Yeah, I, I, I like it, actually. I, I'm, a, I'm on board with that. But, uh, yeah, it just so it just popped on, and it was playing in the background. And, yeah, that I've never saw that before, so it's a coincidence that you're talking about it. But, yeah, I also thought that was weird. I was watching it last night, and, uh, you know, given their – why do you think you're gonna win? Uh, he said, "I'm, I'm the strongest, the meanest." Yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. I was actually uh, impressed with the commentate, the commentation a little bit. Um, I thought it was gonna be much worse. Like there was one guy who was like, kind of knew what jujitsu was like a little bit, and he was trying to explain it to everybody. I don't know exactly who it is, but uh, shout out to that old school commentator who was ahead of the curve. I. <laughs> I think it was, yeah, I think it was Bill Sugarfoot Wallace. He's like a famous kickboxer, right? Do you remember the, maybe, yeah, from the yeah. PKA days, like if you remember, if you watch those highlights of those old kickboxing fights with those like long pants, Chuck Norris, the World Combat League style, like that's a commentator for the UFC actually. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I have yeah. heard uh, Rogan talk, talking about him uh, commentating the early UFC, so it might have been him. It, it was, and there was kind of like, they kind of, the story behind it was like they paid him a lot. He didn't really want to do it and they paid him more. And then he, he screwed up the name of the first UFC event. So there, that was on record. Actually, I can't remember what he called it. It was like very, it was like in the first minute. And, you know, I don't remember that detail, but point being, it's like the first time you do something, it's going to always have its hiccups along the way before you make it, uh, before you perfect right, it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the other thing I really want to ask you is when I when I came in touch with you, this really surprised me. You live in such a small world. You kind of know yeah. my cousin <laughs> on my father's side, Jason Youssef. Yeah, he's he's awesome, man. The mop. You want to know why I call him the mop? Why? I want to hear about this story. So, um, uh, <laughs> I'll make it short. He he just um, he was explaining how much he loved uh mopping his his uh mats after after class was done and he did it in like a really emotional kind of way. And I just thought it was funny. Uh, like he, he, he referenced it to be like, he was washing away the uh, bad energy or uh, something like that. And he was, he was very serious about it. And I, I just thought it was funny. And I, I, I jokingly make fun of him. He, he thinks it's funny though. So it's all good. He's good though. He's yeah. Really Jason's good. a very laid back guy. Yeah, you know, it's really ironic because when we were talking, you said, yeah, you know, you came into MMA at 2015. So I met Jason, actually. So uh, I'm not going to try. I'm going to give the short version here. Um, after, like, my my dad 
passed away tragically in 2014, I went to meet his, his side of the family for the first time. So I kind of knew who they were. Like they came down once when I was like 14 years old. But then like the, my grandmother was like, no, she's like, you got to meet them. So when I went down there in Orange County, my uh, it's my dad's cousin, but I see him as my uncle because you know like he, he really like brought me in and made sure i was like feeling good he's like look he's like uh he's like he's like andrew he's like you follow like mixed martial arts like just enunciating every word and i'm like uh I'm like a little why he's like oh he's like well we have a relative who does brazilian mm. jiu-jitsu and he's a very high level competitor mm. so i met jason at the christmas party and he's like this skinny like noodle and i'm like uh like no offense jason like i know you're you, you can you can whoop my ass any day probably and i meet him and he's like he explains to me like why i should try jiu-jitsu but it was very foreign to me and it was like gibberish but i mean you know it was that was kind of like my first gateway into MMA where like he was explaining Brazilian jiu-jitsu but awesome guy though like I have to train in his gym when I when I'm back in California yeah he's really good uh we actually competed on the same uh at the same promotion in last year was somebody who was at least 50 pounds heavier than him I think and he actually won by armbar I believe it was by armbar very he's very sneaky and I also love like why he competes in BJJ like I know He's very uh, passionate about his heritage because uh, he's because uh, my dad's side of the family. It's, I'll try to explain it here as like in layman's terms. So my dad's side is from Iran. Uh, I'm second generation uh, Iranian, but my I'm born in Canada. Uh, my dad moved here when he was uh, ten from Iran, but his side of the family went to California, and they're of the minority called Assyrians. So they're not Syrians, but they're Assyrians, and basically they're the minority that you heard on the news where. ISIS was uh, trying to go after them. So I know Jason, uh, Dom, if you know, is very passionate about representing his heritage. He comes out with the flag. Oh, there. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I've uh, seen that. Yep. Yeah. He's, what's it? What was that like? It was, was it kind of like, does he walk with like a lot of like candor? Uh, and, uh... I'll tell you something interesting about him that I've never heard. Sure. Uh, I mean, he's definitely not the only person who does this, but he's the only person who has a. Um, a, a reason why and like a, I mean there's no system because you're not actually doing anything but but yeah a reason why and uh, I guess consciously doing it I guess is what I'm trying to say uh, he, he does not believe in warming up before his competitions he says it causes anxiety in the body mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's, it, it's unique That's... But, but that goes back to you know everybody has their own way of approaching the uh, the game it, it very true. Everyone's unique. Like for me, like when I, uh, I mean, when I had my competition, like I did warm up, but my coach, because like, he's very, like, he has a lot of experience. Like he was just talking to me, like, you know, he's like, it's normal to feel nervous. He's like, it's very, he's like, don't try to think too far ahead. He's like, just wait, take a deep breath. He's like, he, he even told me, he's like, just stay out of the competition room. He's like, go for a walk. You know, he's like, uh, he's like one of like, uh, one of like our, like our fighting mates is going to come. Like, he'll, uh, we'll just like talk to him to calm your mind off it. And it really helps. And like, I could see what you mean there. Like, what is your <laughs> kind of ritual before a fight? Now oh, that we're on that man. topic, I want to know what, 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 what goes on in your mind I before a fight? I am very unique when it comes to my pre-fight rituals. We could, <laughs> mm-hmm. to say the very least. Uh, you, could go, you could go on my Instagram, my last competition about an hour before the fight i was dancing on the stage uh so yeah you could catch me from anywhere dancing on the state uh i don't get really nervous uh i get 
locked in. Uh, I like to have fun with it. Um, I like to talk, enjoy. I, I, I don't I don't like to uh, run from what I'm about to do mentally, if that makes sense. I, I kind of just like to accept it yeah. and, and uh, engage with it in a playful kind of way. Yeah. Playful but serious because I, I, yeah. am, I am definitely there for business at the same time. It makes sense. Like the one thing that I'm very thankful for my coach, uh, Mo, really teaching me, he's like, because the problem is like with a lot of traditional martial arts now at the UFC, there are, there is a case where a lot of, I don't say a lot, but you know, there are some coaches that like to romanticize the fighters because Kyokushin is what GSP did. So they're like, think like GSP or like, think like Connor. Yeah, it's like, yeah. You're not one of those guys. Like you got to really like, listen, you're you. You never walked a mile a day in those right. shoes. He's like, basics he's like basics he's like think of the coach henry hoofs what he says basics don't think ahead don't think behind just think what's happening right. now so that's what that's another thing too is that is there a pro, that kind of problem too in jujitsu where like coaches kind of like you know they oh, want to prop yeah, yeah. up the fighter to make them feel good oh i'm sorry exactly what are you saying about the coaches i kind of lost it at the end a little okay so i'll just repeat it again um do you feel there's kind of like uh this like uh, hysteria where the coaches like try to prop up the fighters too much to the point where like they like compare them to like a pro fighter and it just makes things even worse huh. because m- my coach didn't do that. He's like, I yeah. don't want you to think like that. He's like, you got to focus on what's happening now. Uh, that's a small part of a bigger problem, which is um, the coach trying to really trying to um, control any part of the uh, martial artist. Um, Mm-hmm. Now it's a fine line because you're you're there. They're there to do a job. They're there to uh, teach you the martial art and guide you along. But uh, I think I think as much as possible to let the martial artist or athlete do their thing is probably the best way to go. And then they figure out in the fight what works for them, how they express themselves, and then they learn for the future. Right. Now, I mean, so you can – there's a way to – there's a way to – um. huh. There's a way to teach without, mm-hmm. without leaving your fingerprint on the person. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is is a lot of the coaches want want the shine. As long as as long as it's coming from a pure place of just completely pure helping the other person, the student, without you know wanting them to 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 represent either them or something that they want them to represent, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. That makes uh, I understand what you mean. They you want to make you want to make sure there's that balance between coach and student, so that way, no matter the outcome, they still grow from it because that's where the real win is. It's not in the the trophy or how you place or how you do. It's like how you grow from that, whether you fare as you expected or whether you fare if you didn't. Right. The, the coach the coach has one job. It's it's to make the person uh, either a better athlete or better martial artist. Now, from that, the student becoming a better athlete or better martial artist. Of course, the coach is going to get recognition just naturally, but the intention has to start out as pure. If it starts out as them using the student as a tool or object to further their own selfish endeavors, I think, I think we see a lot of that.
and there's that, but then there's also just the fact that some, you know, there's a lot of coaches that aren't that good. So <laughs> they're, they're, instead of leading with the correct information and the correct path, they're uh, leading with their own insecurities. That's a problem too, is they'll, they'll portray their own insecurities on the student. Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100% with every word you just said there about like how some coaches are not good. And, you know, it, it just happens where students end up with a bad coach for whatever reason. And luckily, you know, I ended up with a great one, you know, like when I was in my fight, like at one point he wouldn't say like, hey, keep going harder. He's like, Andrew, he's like, I noticed he's tired. He's like, go for it. He's like, use your leg kick. He's like, go in for the light lower leg kick. And unfortunately, I didn't use my lower leg kick as I could have. But like after that, he's like, I'm very happy with you, man. He's like, he's like, your pressure was amazing. He's like, the kicks are going to come. He's like, the kicks are going to come. He's like, this is only your third tournament. He's like, uh, as an adult, he's like, this is a great work you've seen. So a real coach will not show their insecurities. They're going to always look at the positive. They'll mention what you can improve on, but they're going to say it in a way that makes you want to come back. Right, and train. right. That's a very, I mean, that is a very, very rare thing to find. Very. I agree. I definitely agree there. Um, what really interests me too is because you're training and you're very unique, what is a, the nutrition like for you? Like when you, to stay healthy in competition, what's a typical day for nutrition like when you, when you train in BJJ? So nutrition, it's funny you ask. I have uh, mm -hmm. fitness, sports, nutrition for health. So I just recently became a certified personal trainer and now working on becoming a certified nutrition specialist as well. But that's just a side note. But uh, as far as my own nutrition, um, it's definitely not my strongest suit. Um, but, yeah, it's just a constant uh, work in progress. And there's a lot of disinformation there as well. So you have to sift through. And I think it goes back to what we were saying about jiu-jitsu in general. You, you also find what works right for you. It's funny. Not too long ago, I was uh, watching Netflix. I don't watch Netflix um, that much. I was at my girlfriend's. I only watch it when I'm with her. Uh, so, but um, mm -hmm. we came by two um, two food documentaries, and uh, she wasn't watching them. She hates them. She was sleeping. But uh, I put I watched them, or might have skimmed skimmed through them. Um, but the the funny thing was the descriptions. They were so they were side by side under you know uh, Netflix has categories. And uh, this was under whatever the the I don't know what it is health or whatever. So that these <laughs> these two document by side, um, trying to help people. I guess that's what they're there for, right? Trying to help people improve their nutrition. Mm -hmm. And um, they are literally selling the two exact opposite <laughs> diets. One was, um, you know, sugar is the devil, and uh, all that. And then the other one was, um, uh, completely against, uh, so the sugar was the devil one was saying, you know, you should go, you should go keto natural meats and fats and all that stuff. And then the one next to it was, um, the, uh, like a pure veganism. And, uh, I think I'm pretty sure it was pure veganism, whatever it was, they were two exact opposites <laughs> pretty much couldn't be any more, couldn't be any more opposite, uh, stand side by side i thought that was funny but yeah i, I use that as an example <laughs> because the nutrition thing it's a it's a beast it's a beast it's hard to figure out uh everyone's body is different um as far as what i do 
I experiment. I try my best. Um, the discipline in and of itself is probably the hardest aspect for me, I would say. Um, yeah. I'm in the same boat as you, by the way. Congratulations on those uh, two accomplishments there. Another way to increase your knowledge and hopefully uh, income revenue stream. So you become, uh, you're not only like getting, you're not, you're, you're not only helping others, but you're also helping yourself with what you learn from nutrition to help your, any future clients. But I'm in the same boat as you, Dom, with the nutrition. I experiment. I have my moments. But I mean, I'm not too hard on myself as I used to be, where if, like I, whereas if I fucked off one day completely, it'd be like, okay, it's not the end right. of the world, as like some people say it is. And I'll just get back on the saddle. And as long as I'm holding my weight at one, my, my walking weight is 185. And if I'm, comp- and if I'm competing, it's 181, 180. I, I try to keep it in like 179, 180, because below that, I feel it's just uh, too much for, my bo- for, for me to, to take. Yeah. Yeah, speaking about fucking off on your diet, shit, man, last night was rough. So, so uh, <laughs> me, me, and I was actually out with Paul. Uh, Paul came to Philadelphia yesterday. Um, he was com- It's weird. He was coming anyway, but I figured since I was going to do a podcast today and he just did it, uh, we might as well meet up. So me and my brother, him and uh, my brother's other friend, we all went out to an uh, Italian restaurant. But you could do like family style there. Oh their fa- no! Their their family style is is a buffet, so yeah, it's. I mean, when I say, it's it's definitely. I mean, it's definitely worse. Or let's not say worse. It's definitely definitely on par with a hangover, though. Definitely on par. I know what you mean. Oh yeah, that those like the Italian buffets. I stay away from them. It's the one thing I try to stay away from because I know I'm not walking out of there until I feel like I'm in a comatose state not knowing what day it is or what time it is. So I know the feeling there. I, I understand. I empathize, I empathize with that completely. And uh, did Paul say he's, he's alive? Is he feeling okay? Or is he like not Paul, as much? As I, a- I have not heard from Paul yet. So he might, he might not be doing great. We're not, <laughs> I cannot, cannot deny or confirm. But, uh, <laughs> But my brother, he's he's going through the same the same issues. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Well, they're gonna be they're yeah. gonna be regretting it today when uh, they hit when they wake up or like when like they're going throughout their day. It stays in you that stuff. Yeah, um, it does. Moving on to like some MMA news because I always like to what I like to do is like talk about current MMA news. And Paul said you're like really you know so much with like all the past fights, all what's happening currently. Now, okay, now. Okay. The Gracie's, the Gracie history, not so much, but MMA, I, I, I know a little bit. All right. So, a lot. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about last night's, I mean, Saturday's fights. Cause like, well, I could, but I want to ask you about Colby fucking Covington. Like this is like Paul told yeah. me, he's like, the guy's the real deal. He's like, he's the real huh. deal. It's like, I think he can beat Usman. And I'm like, you know what, Paul, you might have a solid argument. Yeah. Oh uh, man. Colby's a beast. He's definitely a beast. And, and. I mean that in every sense of the word. His whole everything he's doing is is crazy. Uh, now, I mean, you know, he, he he's I mean, he's probably the most polarizing figure in the sport right now. To be honest, even yeah, I mean, on on a visceral level too, like on a on a real real visceral level for some people. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have he's gonna bring the word hater to a whole new level with the stuff he's doing, but. It's working. Mm-hmm. It's bringing attention. The people who do know him personally say he's nothing like the. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I can't. 
you know, I would have to know him, but I've heard people who know him personally say he's nothing like the way he is uh, on camera and stuff like that. Um, but usually, usually the uh, the personalities are just an exaggerated version of what's already there. Now with him, though, it does seem like it's almost completely scripted. Like it does seem like everything. Now there's it's either one. It's either one or the other. It's either he he really is that person, and you know, I'm not gonna call him an asshole because everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And I I, I would I don't believe that would make him an asshole but i would believe that would make him um you know let's just say very polarizing so there's either one of two things he's, he's very very polarizing and he's that person or uh it's it's wwe like it's a hundred percent wwe um, and I, I don't know what it is but whatever it is it's working for him uh he's i mean when it comes to the to fighting he's there's no question he's beyond legitimate i mean what he i didn't see i gotta i gotta watch the fight and i didn't see even much of the highlights but just from hearing hearing about it, what he did to robbie lawler is insane but uh usman though i think usman is a bad matchup for him if there is a bad matchup for him i think usman is it i don't know how it's gonna go it could go either way but uh yeah if i had to pick i'd, I'd pick usman i say i'd pick usman too but then the question comes dominic what Kamaru is going to show up on November 2nd if the fight happens. Is it going to be and the Usman that was grinding on points, you know, when he was up to when he won his belt against Woodley? Or is the surgery he got going to show that, you know, the ring rust is there? You know, he hasn't really trained. He was like, yeah, I, I actually did not know. Any I didn't issues. know he was going through uh, surgery. But, um, but, um, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Small little distraction. No, it's okay. Small it's little okay. distraction. But uh, yeah, I didn't <laughs> Don't know worry. he was going through surgery, but uh, it seems like, you know, everyone d- deals with that ring rust differently. I think I think it's kind of, you know, there's that old Dominic Cruz ring rust doesn't exist. Uh, I think um, I think it, it all depends on the person. Like for certain people, it, it does affect them. For certain people, it doesn't. Uh, I'm not sure how it'll affect him. It seems like uh, I think I have a pretty good – I might be biased, but I think I have a pretty good skill of, of uh, kind of scoping dealing with the situation of the competition they're in mentally. And uh, did you see the um, the um, what it, it was after Kobe won the fight? How him and, they were going at it? Uh, I, I think, and booth. I think, and I think Kobe won that fight. If you saw how Usman was behaving with his gestures and like his tone. I think Kobe's up in his head, and Kobe wants that. So I, I really think Kobe's winning the mental game. Uh, so I'm going to have to disagree. Really? Co- okay. So at first, it seemed like – now, when it comes to – so I am a, a student, let's say a student of mental mm-hmm. warfare and, and, uh, and uh, strategic, strategic um, game planning and stuff like that. Uh, and mainly mental warfare. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to jive off of that. But uh, so the thing is, is you can't be too quick to judge. It's it's always more than what meets the eye. Um, and it's always it's it's you can't you can't really ever tell either. And and this is fighting, so anything could anything could happen. But what I saw was uh, Kobe, um, you know, doing what Kobe does talking to trash 
And I saw it first. Usman. So, all right. So Colby kind of lives in that state where, you know, that's, he, he's already in that mode. You know what I mean? Uh, Usman was playing the, um, the broadcaster that night. So he was kind of out of that. Not, you know, you got to wear different hats. So, um, I saw Colby bring it to that zone. And at first Usman, you know, seemed a little hesitant. I think you're right. In that first moment, it seemed a little, a little off for him, but I think that got the engine started for him. And from what I've seen from him, um, after. I'm sorry, what happened there? You broke up there. What were you saying after that? Yeah. What were you saying there, Dominic? Uh, it yeah, broke up uh, there. Where did I leave off? Oh, so I said, uh, at first, he was seemed hesitant, but um, as Colby uh, started getting his engine going a little bit, from what I've seen towards the end of that and after that, I think Usman is uh, ready for the, the uh, mental games. It's going to be it's going to be a very nasty mental warfare. Like I think you're going to see a lot of stuff being slinged back and forth. Some of it's going to make you like face palm yeah, yourself, yeah, yeah, like yeah, with that emoji definitely. on iMessage. But it's gonna it's gonna bring headlines, and if it's in MSG, what a better way! What better way to have that November second card for with, with that either as the main or co-main, and potentially John Jones fighting in uh, his home state, which he has said he said yeah. He's like well, when it comes to John Jones, said yeah. He's like he like he wants to fight in MSG. Then he says no. There's the income tax issue, which I'm sure like Americans are aware of, you know, with how much uh, the taxes take away from, for elite, for elite athletes. But then he comes back and say, no, I kind of want to compete in the MSG. So and that would be a very good card, man. If they, if they can pull that off. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to jump back a little bit. Do you know, and I saw the video. I'm not sure exactly though. Did Ali um, Usman's manager, did he actually punch Colby in that video? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I know which one. It was at the when he was getting the crab legs, right? Was it that one? When... Yeah, I think so, or uh, uh, something like that. Yeah, um, I think it was one of Cole. It was one of Usman's like cousins or brothers that were with him that did it. When I watched the video, since we're going back, it was one of the the Usman's uh, click, uh, one of his members from his click that just like grabbed Colby. Looked. I don't know about punching, but I saw a grabbing motion, and then Colby just like ran away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it also seems like with Colby. That's why going back to that, you know, this is a WWE kind of thing. It seems like when the cameras aren't on, he's not. He's he's just kind of chill. Yeah, Yeah. exactly, exactly. It's crazy, but I mean, hey, it's working for him. I mean, I'm not saying he's my favorite fighter, but do I respect the pace he has as a wrestler and like the volume of of like the like the volume of cardio he brings? Oh yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, there's anyone that says to me, "Oh, you're one of those." mega supporters it's it's really annoying now like you can if you if you just say you respect or like colby but yeah associate you with that it's it's really really asinine like instead of just now you're racist yeah now you're racist (laughs) now you're xenophobe now you're this and it's like well it's not political i'm just saying i like his cardio here like paul even told me that like he's like he's like yeah he's like i like colby covington like i just like his style like you know his his style and if you even if you say that someone's going to get triggered. And that's what right. annoys me about like the state of uh, like the current state of MMA now, like in terms of fans, like I, it's just crazy. You, you can't like if for every fighter you like, there's someone that's going to throw that tag in there, especially with Colby. And it doesn't mean they're like that. So that's, uh, that's what really is an issue. If you, if, uh, if you, whether you agree or disagree. 
yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, another there's so next this week is a huge MMA card. It's UFC 240. No, what's your prediction? I knew, for... you, were, I knew you were gonna bring it up. Your oh, sidekick, I knew it. I knew it. It's uh, these are I, I, I'm not picking anybody, but uh, if I had to, <laughs> um, I would pick oh, this is tough. There, these are there's two really good matchups. So it's tough. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, I don't know. So what do you think? What do you think about uh Pettis and uh Diaz? Let's start with that. I think it's gonna go one of two ways. If Anthony Pettis shows that his knockout of Wonder Boy wasn't a one hit wonder, because we know Pettis has these like phases where he goes up and down, up and down since he lost his title. Um if Pettis wins, okay, great, you know, it shows that he's he belongs at welterweight. But if Nate Diaz wins, which I think he can because Diaz like has that cardio. I think they're going to try to set up the trilogy fight for McGregor Diaz three on Madison Square Garden. I think the UFC kind of wants that. It's a conspiracy theory. I don't know. Oh, uh, set up. I think it's kind of set up that way. Yeah, uh, I think they're, they're they're dangling that big money for for Nate. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, the matchup is is really good though. I think it's it's a really good matchup. Grappler uh, versus striker. Yeah, sort of. Me and Paul were talking about this at dinner yesterday, actually. I, I I, would definitely get a lot of heat for this. But like I said, I have some unpopular opinions. But I think um, I think uh, Pettis' MMA grappling might be better. Yikes. I can't, I can't even believe I said that and people might hear this because I would definitely be the, uh, the minority on that. But I think his MMA grappling is probably one of the best. Pettis, mm-hmm. he he tapped uh, Ben Henderson in a title fight from his back with an arm bar from his back in the fifth round. I believe it was in the fifth round. I mean, his his submission game and his ground game is unbelievable. So I, is, I don't think it really is. And then um, and then striking, yeah, and also Diaz and striking is super underrated too. Very and but what Nate's but what and, and you know I here's what I see you're coming from. Which Nate is going to show up? Is it going to be the Nate that like is a volume striker yeah, on yeah. point, or is it going to be the Nate that's like has the layoffs and then he's like, yeah, it's like he, he's going to have like he's going to just be like whatever, really. Right, that's true. That's always that's always the major factors because in this sport, um, if you don't show up a hundred percent, or at least what your a hundred percent is for that moment, uh, you're you could see a lackluster performance. So it, that brings me to uh, DC and. Stipe, um, I think, I think DC probably should win, but like, like I said, you never know if he, if he's, and DC usually always shows up. So, but you know, at the same time, he's at the end of his career, um, sort of close to the end of his career. So, so you don't know exactly where he's at. And then also you really just don't know what's going on in their lives, their personal lives at the time too. That always plays a factor. So fighting, this is the... I like. I mean, I like to do it because it's fun, but it's it's the hardest thing to predict. Really is, and what Stipe is going to show up because now Stipe has seen how DC is like at heavyweight. You know, he has the loss, and he saw maybe he saw something against Derek Lewis that we don't know about, and then maybe Stipe could just capitalize because Stipe is one of the baddest guys on the planet. So it's a, when I spoke to John, um, John even said he's like, it's really a fifty fifty, but he's like, you know, he's like with heavyweights, it's like it's not really like a. 
a good quality fights because it's like they're so big so it just takes it's like it's anyone's it's every anyone has a punching chance really of like who lands that yeah, good I, knockout I actually I actually slightly disagree with him on that uh the, the fact that heavyweights aren't that I mean I guess generally he's right but there are some definitely super technical heavyweights and yeah, DC cool. and Ste- DC and Stepe being two of them yeah, I definitely can agree there. Uh, Costa Romero, that's another good one that's on there. What's yeah, that's your... a that's a that's a scare. Oh yeah, I forgot that was on there. Yeah, that's uh that's crazy. I mean, that might be the most exciting fight that night. What? Um, my prediction on that. Hmm. Huh. Now, if uh, so here's my here's how what I think about that. I think if Yoel Romero decides to. Okay, I think if Yoel Romero fights smart how he should fight to just get the win, I think he should use his wrestling pretty much the whole fight. And I think that would get him the win. But um, I don't think he's going to do that. I, I think he's, <laughs> I think he, he really buys into his own aura and kind of wants to is, is the guy kind of wants to be the guy the fans know him as, and I think he's gonna stand and bang with him and then and wait for it, wait to him. explode, wait to do that explosion, right? And then you're like, oh my god, if he could do that, like that kind of uh, Romero, right? right? Yeah, exactly. And I could see, uh, I could see that being a bad move and um, Costa catching him, yeah, Costa, man, he's like this Vitor Jr., that black is belt. he undefeated? Is Costa undefeated? Uh, I'm not, I think, he is. I think he might be in UFC, yeah, like he. He's he's a good prospect though, man. Like they call him Vitor Junior because he's got the good looks. He's got the BJJ black belt. You know, he's got that sublime boxing. So I mean, it's it's a, you can't really compare anyone to any fighter because it's not like hockey or football where you know there's like those resemblances. But Costa, very dangerous, very underrated. Not many people know about him, and I think he's a dark horse in that middleweight division. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, what do you think about Stylebender being in that division? <sighs> I'm, I'm divided. and uh, Romero. What about that? It'd be very good. I think Romero could beat Stylebender with the wrestling because Stylebender already said he's like, "Oh, my wrestling and grappling aren't great, but they can. It's not. It's like competent, but you know, you're gonna catch these elite grapplers, and then yeah. what are you gonna do?" And I think, look, I like Stylebender. I like. I don't like his personality, but I like his kickboxing style because I'm a striker myself, so yeah, that's yeah. why I sound kind of biased. But he's gonna get his ass beaten on on UFC 243. I think he's really biting more so. than he can chew against Whitaker. I think Whitaker's gonna catch him, and I think it's gonna be a very, it's gonna be a great matchup. But man, Whitaker's just gonna catch him like trying to be too cocky, and it's not gonna end well. So I think I do think on paper it's a bad matchup for him uh, for mm-hmm. Stylebender. But at the same time, I think Stylebender is one of them guys who just has that thing that makes him rise to the occasion and figure out a way to get it done. So, and, but on the same token, I thought Darren Till was that guy too. And then he found some bad matchups and, and it <laughs> went down. But uh, yeah, I think who knows? Well, like I said, it's almost impossible to predict. It really is, but it's great to see where the state of MMA is at and uh, what's going on. Um, so Dominic, I'm gonna. I guess we'll call it here because uh, I only try to do an hour max. But um, I want to ask, where can people connect with you if they want to look at your content? They want to just ask you about questions for BJJ or now nutrition. Uh, any like weather, any way, so that way I can help you grow as uh, with your with what you're doing. Yeah, uh, Instagram Teflon 
That's T E F. T E F L O N Dom D O M underscore B J J on Instagram. Teflon Dom. That's my nickname. Okay. Okay. And do they can they also reach you on like say Facebook or Twitter or just Instagram? Uh, is your I don't platform? really. I don't really do Facebook that much. Yeah, I don't do Facebook that much. Paul was convincing me yesterday I should get a Twitter. So for for now, just Instagram. If anything changes, I will alert them on Instagram. So Teflon Dom underscore BJJ. Well, sounds good. Well, Dom, I just wanted to say personally, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, even though we had the outtake that happened there with the first recording. I really learned a lot about the, the competitions and the story about my cousin. Uh, learned something about grappling too, which is why I will do it when I get my black belt in karate. So BJJ is the next one. I can't confirm that. I'm sticking to it. And uh, I hope we can do this again, maybe with Paul sometime. Yeah, definitely. I have better software. Yeah, yeah, we should definitely do that, definitely. All right, I'm down, brother. Well, you have an awesome day, and uh, and keep at it. Yes, enjoy Canada. Oh, I live there, so I, I'm enjoying every day of it. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Bye, Dominic.